Welcome to the American Roadrunner Podcast. Yeah, glad y'all could join us here today. This is the American Roadrunner Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Bob Marshall. Here we like to share stories from the road, all tales of spills, thrills, and chills, all the good, bad, and ugly stories from the open road. I am your co-host, Brian Phillips, and you can find the book American Roadrunner by Mr. Bob Marshall on Amazon in paperback and digital ebook download. You can follow us, see all the shenanigans we get into when we're not at the mic, on the website AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com. You can find this podcast, American Roadrunner the Podcast, on your favorite podcast platforms. That includes iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, the list goes on and on. Spotify, we just got into CastBox. We're pretty excited. We're moving places. That's right. Spotify, you can also find the American Roadrunner Songs from the Road playlist. Some of the best songs for writing as featured in the book, oh, American Roadrunner. There it is again. We're going to say it like seven more times. Uh, you can share American Roadrunner podcast on social media, Facebook and Instagram, and let us know if you love it, hate it. Just make sure you share it and subscribe and let us know how you really feel. Cheers or jeers, how we're doing, just say hi. Go ahead and email us at American Roadrunner the book at Gmail. Now I'm going to tell you all about our sponsors. You ready for this, Bob? Dun, 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 dun. The marathon is over. Time for the sponsors. <laughs> sponsors. We are still sponsored by Ride One Cane a Day. They're doing some awesome stuff every time I check it out on Instagram. Again, Ride One K in a Day. Also, Jake the Flying Dutchman Company. You can find him on Instagram at the Flying Dutchman Co. That is all one word. He does a lot of really good original uh, auto work, bike work, stuff like that. Uh, you can also check out Bowmonster.com. Mr. Bowmonster is the artist that did the book cover for American Roadrunner. He's also doing some other promotional stuff for us, right? A sticker. And oh, stuff. glorious. There's so much excitement. You're all going to just have to cruise on down to the Hippie Killer where we have our next booth and check it out because, oh, my gosh, it looks good. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're going to have a bunch of merch with uh, the new American Roadrunner emblem on it. Amen, like brother. And, of course, the music that you've been listening to at the front and the back of this podcast. Meek! Meek! The song is Here We Are off the album Red Sprite Lightning. If you don't know, uh, that is a gentleman formerly of Alien Ant Farm. What's his name? Yep, Mr. Tazamora, one of my childhood friends. We went to high school together. That is a funny story, actually. We were all sitting around talking about how we were going to be rock stars, and that damn dude went out and became a damn rock star. So. Right. Good to have him around and have his blessing and using some of his cool music. It's him and the Hill Brothers. Boy, they've been around for quite some time as well, playing in various bands. Those guys are just awesome, talented musicians. Good to have their music on our podcast. Yeah, good Riverside boys, local. You know what's interesting is when I first came out here to Riverside uh, to live with my father, it was right when Alien Farm was blowing up, and right. every single person I ran into had a connection to Alien Farm. <laughs> That's they're probably like, true. like... <laughs> Oh, uh, my mom is a hairdresser, and she cuts, you know, Ty's mom's hair all the time. There you go. That's like, cool. Like, it seemed like, that lady's like sweet. one degree of separation from Alien Ant Farm, no matter where I went in Riverside. It was crazy. And, uh, yeah. Well, I, I promise I did go to high school with Ty, and there's a lot of people who can verify that. We actually sang in the uh, choral group together, and uh, I sang tenor for a year or two next to him and with him, and he was a hard act to keep up with. That man could really sing. He had one heck of a voice. 
But then puberty hit, and I started singing bass appropriately. So then we were sitting next to each other, but, you know, uh, singing totally different lines. But we were both tall enough to kind of stand in the center. So the director won Mr. Dennis E. Smith, the talented Dennis E. Smith Smith from Corona High School Madrigal Group. The choral director there, he was the usually put us together. So mm-hmm. it was good times. Can I ask you about some other local bands that sure. that I, I remember listening to? I want to see if uh, if you've met any of them. Uh, Voodoo Glow Skulls. You know mm. any of those guys? You know, I remember wrenching on some of their equipment back in the day when I had that uh, I had that shop, Music Max Service Center there in uh, Music Max Music Store, which is uh, at the Lunch Lot. We call it the Lunch Lot. It's where <laughs> Central Brockton and Magnolia all come together in Riverside. Um, but Why is it called the Lunch Light, I have to ask? Oh, you never heard that one? No, I haven't. <coughs> yeah, I guess that's, a, heard of it. that's an old river. You'd have to be born and raised here. But the answer is, it used to take so long to get through that lot, especially with the train tracks right down the road. Yeah, you could sit and eat your lunch waiting for that lot to turn. So we... <laughs> We kind of learned to call it all the lunch lot. Well, that's why that auto body shop right there on the corner probably got all their work oh, people yeah. pulling and get an oil change while they're waiting for the damn light. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're you're thinking of uh, of Frank's old place, uh, the Kuma Tires. Yeah. Is that yeah yeah that well Frank's passed on. That man lived to be. Is that the one like okay? There's like music mics. Uh, Pepitos or whatever that Mexican restaurant yep, is, Pepetos. and then the little auto place. Oh yeah, so yeah, so they just do tires. They do all my tires still. Yeah, Kuma tires, mm-hmm. and they carry American-made Cooper tires, which I really like for my big trucks. Although I only go in there maybe every ten years. I mean, but we did business next to each other for years, so mm-hmm. you know we're all we're all friends. One heck of a tire store. Yeah. Here we are pimping out our local tire store. <laughs> <on the laughs> On the American Roadrunner podcast, they do not do motorcycle tires. <laughs> I end up just buying my motorcycle tires locally, usually from Chaparral, and I kind of do them myself. Although they have done a few of them for me, but I just take the wheels in. But that's, you know, the mechanic in me. Mm-hmm. But lately, I've just been buying the tires and coming home and doing them myself. Because mm. it adds up. And one year, I'll go through, gosh, some years. Some years, I only go through three or four tires, but... I've had other years, they've added it up for me. I've done 12, 14 tires in a year. I mean, it's nuts. Hmm. It adds up quick. You know what? It, that's something I never really thought about. You know, I, I kind of know the price of uh, automobile tires. I, I've bought them quite a few times. You know, they can range from like $100 a tire to $400 a tire. Yeah. And you can spend a lot of money. Are, are motorcycle tires more expensive or cheaper? Because, like, part of me wants to go, oh, just get a motorcycle. You only have to buy two tires, so it's going to be <laughs> cheaper. Two instead of four, right? Well, it does depend on the scoot. Um, I can tell you, you know, I do my best to buy the best tires that I can because I'm going to, they're consumable. Motorcycles are just tires and batteries. Mm-hmm. So you got to do your best to buy the best tires and batteries you can for the machines. Um, so for the mechanic corner tonight on the show, uh, the answer is I, uh, the classic Bridgestone D404 is what a lot of people buy and put on their machines. And they're wonderful. And you'll get, gosh, 20,000 miles out of a front tire, maybe 14 out of a rear. Um, the thing is, they're just too hard, in my opinion. So I really don't mind buying the Winstons, you know, for my cruisers. Um, you can get usually 15, 16, 18 out of a front and maybe 10 or 12 out of a rear and so they they are a little they're a little softer and i just think they really make for that much better of a ride so i will pick up a dunlop d404 if that's all they got 
But for the most part, I do Winston's. But then on my Goldwing, I got to use the Bridgestones. Like, that's mm-hmm. the best tire I can buy for my Goldwing. Um, yeah, and then I'm, but sometimes, yeah, obviously, on my land speed racing motorcycles, I got to buy specific tires. And I think those are, uh, I think those are Roadrunners I've got on one. And I had to shave them down. They had to be shaved down. So that was a rather pricey venture. Um, you know, so it, it all depends, but my favorite really are these days really are the Winston's cause they're a little softer yeah. and then the Bridgestones for the, for the big gold wing. But I don't know. Chopper Charlie keeps talking me into putting a car tire on the back. I might go dirty soon well, enough. You know, it, it is pretty obvious, you know, that the back tire is going to go faster because that's yeah. where all the power is. The front yeah. tire, it just kind it, of steers it. it. It just follows. But can you can you rotate motorcycle tires, or no, is it like they're no. unique? No, they're absolutely unique. They have a direction. You can I know on my KZ1000s, I enjoy having a fatter tire in front because it's the same 18 rear and back, and it's real hard to find the 18 front tire that I need. And it's even harder to find the 18-inch rear. So I just order two 18-inch rears, and I just put the rear tire on the front but backwards. And that works fine because it's just the front tire is just following. It's not doing anything. Um, it's just kind of hanging out. It's taking a little bit of the ground. But you're right. Everything goes to the back. And on my choppers, I'm well, lucky to get six, 7,000 miles out of a rear tire because there's no shocks. Mm-hmm. So, But these are numbers most people don't do, you know, but I can – haul ass across country on a chopper put a new tire on leave come back a week later and the damn thing shredded you know yeah. it's, i'm ready for a new one maybe i got a few hundred miles left on it whatever but when you think of hundreds of miles tires are okay but i get to think in thousands of miles so yeah. it's got to add up that way have you ever been out cruising out in the middle of nowhere and then you get like a tire blowout you're like shit. Okay, I got this. I got this. And you go to put on the spare, and then you realize spare. that <laughs> the tire that you blew out was the front, and you only have the spare tire for the back. Like, oh, that sucks. That ever happened to you? No, there's no, <laughs> there's no spare tires on a motorcycle. <laughs> That's t- <laughs> right. Yeah. So that um, <laughs> that doesn't work. Um, no, I'll I'll tell you. I mean, there's there's two ways to do tires on a motorcycle. Either on a mag rim where there is no inner tube or on a spoked rim where of course you'll have an inner tube you know to keep all the air in so the air doesn't leak out through the spoke so depending on obviously i'm a big fan of the mags uh one less thing to worry about Uh, if i do get a flat i carry a flat repair kit that's basically just the worms Uh, i get a fresh kit per scoot usually every other year i think i pay five or six dollars for them and they come with a special tool usually. So I carry those tools. And if I do get a puncture, I just put the worm in there. But then I've got to fill back up the tire. So I do carry, uh, usually I have a can of goop that's compressed. I think the can was 10 or $11. Um, I've used it once. It makes a real mess inside the tire. But it can fill it up. You can do this on the side of the road. Otherwise, I could be stuck trying to go 20 miles on a flat tire, which is just going to kill the tire. So it's easier just to pull over, find the hole. Um, the other thing I've done is, yeah, nice. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thanks for the bail, Brian. Uh, the other thing I've done is, uh, you know, just carried a small compressor. Uh, so, yeah, I have a small compressor, plugs into the cigarette lighter, uh, or I can wire it to my battery. 
and then it, you know on the side of the road it may take a few minutes i usually have to start the bike and let it idle so uh, the battery keeps up on the juice so i'm not killing the battery and then i can just fill the tire up that way but i've only gotten i've only gotten two flats one of them was uh, just the schrader valve went bad so i was able to take the schrader valve i could tell it was leaking from the schrader valve i was able at a gas station just to take the schrader valve out cover the because i do carry a schrader valve tool i just covered it in a bit of uh my balm that i use you know a bit of vaseline based or you know which really you'd want to use a a silicone product but you're on the side of the road so what are you going to do so i just did that and put it back in and it sealed up and i was able to put the tire pressure back in and be good and the other time yeah i did get a small leak so i had to take a small hole make it a big hole put a worm in it and then uh, pump it back up. I've actually never had to use the can that I carry, and it's 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 a few years old. I should probably replace it because that goop really will make a mess. But the idea is the goop gets in there with the compressed air, and it finds the leak and seals it. But it's not good to have, huh? Oh, and it's cheap insurance, and it's a small can. Uh, maybe it's the size of a Coke can, you know. So it's real easy to carry. Uh, you can put it right next to, you know, a small can of, uh, I know Bell Ray makes a really good uh, lube and wax put together that I like to carry. And I know my buddy Press was actually, Press Merriam, he was real big on uh, getting that product out into the uh, into the masses, but it's a small can. Uh, so it's like a can of goop. That that sounds to me like when you're in this, uh, the stampede race, I imagine everybody like, you know, uh, edging the turns, going back and forth, and like hitting uh-huh. each other with chains, yeah, trying to get the lead, and then somebody pulls There's out that, that can and throws it, and it turns into like this goop bomb. That's great. And all That's these motorcycles great. get stuck in it, and the guys go flying. You know, like like Death Race 2000 style. You know, but on motorcycles. Now that's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. Heck yeah, I'm, it is. I'm a big. Uh, uh, I just went into the high boys. I like that movie. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's nothing like that, and there's no, there's none of that going on. Man, I mean, I'm happy to, my fantasies. I'm happy to leave buddies, you know, like Jer we had on the show. I'm happy to leave him on the side of the road, <laughs> but for the most part, no, there's none of that's going on. Hmm. Uh, boy can dream, right? Boy can dream. <laughs> so yes, thank you for asking. But nine times out of ten, you're not going to get a flat. It's not going to be an issue. If you do have a tire problem. It's probably on the seal or your tube is old. That's another thing. A lot of people, when they get new tires, it can be an expensive venture because you have to go into the motorcycle shop, take your motorcycle, wait a few days for the mechanic to have time to rip the wheels off, and then he can replace the tires, balance them, everything. You know, but if you got tubes, you got to get new tubes every time you get tires. There's just no two ways about it. There's spend the extra $10, get a new tube. And really, you're paying for labor to rip the wheels on and off. But if that's what you're comfortable with, cool, do that. I mean, for me, it's not a big deal. Obviously, I've got, you know, all the jacks and stands. And, and I just kind of make my own jacks and stands. So I just kind of make it work. You know, two by fours and old car scissor lifts. The little car scissor lifts work well. Uh, so it's not a big deal for me to put a motorcycle up on one of my uh, home-built wooden um, <laughs> you know benches that I've got for the motorcycles they sit about 18 inches off the ground very re- resourceful with the well yeah logs. there's no reason yeah. to overspend <laughs> money on tooling and stuff stack up a couple of blocks mm-hmm. it works then I can take the wheel off and I can either rip the tire off myself and put a fresh tire on or 
I like my Goldwing. You know, those are really big tires. Uh, It's easier for me just to take it in and, you know, spend the $50 a tire and make sure they mount it correctly. They mount it and balance it. But it's it it has gotten. I I remember. I mean, it used to be thirty dollars in the last few years. I think it's gone up to fifty fifty five. So that's why I just started doing it myself, mounting and balancing it myself. Yeah. Now, Bob, I know you have this love for wrenching. You Totes. Always love to be working on your own motorcycle. But yeah. heaven forbid there is a task, something overwhelming that you just can't do on your motorcycle for one reason or another. Not saying you can't. That's but hilarious. if there was something you couldn't do. Uh, where around here would you take your scoot or your motorcycle to to get some help, get some repair done? You're right. It is always a hard question because I do have people ask me. And the answer is I'm not a motorcycle mechanic. I am my motorcycle mechanic. It's something that I do for my own zen. Um, it's something I do for my own enjoyment. It's all a big science project when it comes to racing. How can we make motorcycles go faster, et cetera, et cetera. But being here in Southern California, we're very fortunate to be in the dirt bike capital of the world, uh, really to be in the Harley capital of California. We just have so much going on around here. Um, so it, it is pretty exciting. I know, um, you know, when it comes to Harleys, I know, uh, Reed's got, you know, max speed cycles over on Harupa and, uh, Steve's got, uh, speed Kings over on Arlington. Uh, those guys have always been real cool. I've been able to get parts too, you know, if needed, uh, from backers alley. I know they've got a good mechanic. He's got a, some good machining stuff too in the back. Um, but you know, uh, uh, we even do scooters. We've got a Riverside scooter shop. I know Mike over there, he does one heck of a business and he's been at it almost 10 years. So, mm-hmm. And he's on the other side of the lunch lot from where I used to be. So <laughs> he's pretty convenient. So if you need scooter stuff, he's he's got a mechanic working in the back too, you know, just on little scooters. But of course, there's always uh, the chopper place there halfway across town there. That guy has always done bang up job and he always has any Harley, old Harley part that you need as well as new Harleys. If it's Harleys, he can really figure it out. He does good stuff. Uh, but there's a, a lot of people, you know, hit up uh, Quaid over in Loma Linda or Riverside Harley. Uh, so we're, we're very fortunate to have everybody we could ever use. And then uh, Chaparral, which is the largest motorcycle store in the real world, is just uh, right next door in San Bernardino. So, hmm. yeah. I know that. It's the biggest? Oh, yeah. It's not a joke. Yeah. So it's like, uh, like. I wouldn't say Walmart, but like Costco size, like motorcycles. It's bigger than a Costco. It's maybe two or three Costco's put together, and then they have a few warehouses around it. Yeah, it's Damn. no joke. It's a little intimidating. It is nice to take people who come in from out of town. You know, let let me show you where I get my consumables from. So yeah. it's like the motorcycle mills. Motorcycle yeah. Mall of America. Thank or you. Exactly. The size of an airport runway. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it, but no, it's right there off uh, off Mills, uh, off the 215 in Purdue. So right down the road. If traffic's good, I can get there in 20 minutes. Good place to buy tires, batteries, lots and lots of motorcycle oil. You just get lost. Can you ride your motorcycle through there? Oh, yeah. They got <laughs> tons of parking. Oh, in the no, bu- I mean, no, through no. the building. I mean, it's so big. <laughs> They got. They do have tons of motorcycle parking out front. I did Chaparral Motorsports important. in two minutes. Right, riding my motorcycle. <laughs> of course, Malcolm Smith is right down the road. That guy's a classic racer. He's here in Riverside, and yep. they they have some good stuff. But whatever you want to do, a lot of the you know, I think wrenching on my own motorcycles is something 
that was kind of born for me out of want, desire, and necessity. Um, the answer is a lot of my old Japanese stuff, you know, there really aren't people who will wrench on it. There might be a few specialists here and there. And I've kind of learned that every town has that one guy. And if whatever town you're broken down is, there's always that one guy who can help you do whatever you need to do or get the part, whatever you need. You know, you need a coil for some weird old Honda or Kawasaki. He's going to have it, but you got to find that one guy. And that one guy may not be in a storefront. He may be in his house. You know, he may he may or may not be available. And really, it's a favor of a favor for him to sell you the part that you need that he has from a 30-year-old Japanese motorcycle. You and know? he may not take money. You may have to barter. That's right. And barter, you know, that's a lost art here in America. Well, I do like to carry a little bit of cash with me anytime I travel. Just, mm-hmm. I don't. Some people just carry their card. I'm not. I don't. That doesn't make any sense to me. I just... You know, I just always make sure I got a few bills. I have gold teeth. If I need them, I oh, that would pull probably them work. out. You know, and just use that to buy something. If you can find someone who would accept it and trade, who knows the value of gold? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's so busy swapping their cards these days. Cash is king, yeah. so I always like to carry a bit of cash just to make sure I can have it all covered. Um, but yeah, we're we're real fortunate here. Uh, I mean, LA is fortunate too. There's a lot of good stuff there, but there's just as much good stuff here in Riverside and everyone's competing for your dollar. Hmm. So you're pretty lucky if you're here in Southern California and the dirt bike is just phenomenal. There's so much dirt bike riding around here. Yeah. There is. You, yeah it's Miraloma just, and uh, Lake Elsnore. Yeah. There's there are dirt track milestones right down the road. Uh, Paris. Arupa Valley's Her- got some stuff. Yeah, Marina yeah. Valley, Paris, yeah. It gets a little nuts. Yeah. So if you're into dirt biking, I mean, I like a little bit of flat track racing, but dirt bike, you know, like I said, I've tried it, and it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, the Metal Militia came from out here, right? So oh, yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and they're uh, the dirt Marietta bike guys area. who were doing the jumps. I don't, yeah. Long I'm, time ago. I'm not as big of a fan as I should be. I'm more of a fan of land speed racing than, oh, yeah. <laughs> than dirt bike No, I just, I just remember the name back in the 90s. I remember it got big, you know, when yeah. I was in high school. Everybody was all about the Metal Militia and the Rough Riders, but that's... Uh, that's DMX and <laughs> DMX? rapper. You did you ever see DMX riding with the Rough Riders? They would they would ride like motorcycles and ATVs. No, the I rough don't. Riders? You don't know miss that, that oh one. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to take you to school. That's hilarious. Mm. X gonna give it to you. I'm excited having a podcast. <laughs> Me too, <laughs> man. Me too. The other day, uh, I was rapping with a few people and remembering stuff I used to do, stuff I still get to do occasionally, but. For those who don't know, I do have the privilege of serving on the presidency for Abate Local 27 here in Riverside. Uh, if you don't know what Abate is, Abate is a motorcyclist rights and safety organization. Uh, Abate is the acronym for the American bikers aimed to educate. And it's great to uh, remind people that it's okay to ride safely and always practice one's riding skills. And as uh, I was chatting with people, uh, they're always busy asking me questions. As I served as safety officer on the board of Abate Local 27 here for for many years before I was graciously elected to presidency. But, you know, the answer is it's a great excuse to keep up on my skills and keep my chops up and riding. And that's why I do the philanthropy work of assisting other new riders, making sure people have the outlet for answers when they have the questions about riding. And the problem with riding a motorcycle is that we didn't come home from the hospital on motorcycles. We came home in cars. 
So we know all about cars. We know how to get in, put our seatbelts on, uh, have a good time with it. But when it comes to throwing your leg over a motorcycle, I mean, for me, it started as a little dude and I raced BMX. I mean, that was kind of the cool thing to do back in the 80s <laughs> when I was a little dude. But, um, you know, and it just kind of spawned from there. So being on two wheels is something I've always been comfortable with. Um course you got to wear a helmet on a motorcycle we did not have to wear helmets on our bicycles back then and i was pretty fortunate enough to have some good bmx sponsorships so i had some pretty sweet bmx bikes back in the day hmm. but as you uh go through life it's just a natural progression and i i did not ride for a few years there when i started my family and whatnot but i rode a little bit in college and when i wasn't riding in college i had a convertible so it was kind of all the same. I had a big 66 <laughs> white. Oh, yeah. My big Cadillac would just haul ass down the road. And it was great just to feel the wind in my hair and be open to the elements and not have to worry too much about it. So a motorcycle just gets a lot better gas mileage than an old 66 Cadillac. So it's pretty important to me to uh, enjoy these days. I guess it's the wind up my shirt because <laughs> there's not too much wind in my hair with a helmet on. The wind in my face... I do like to wear a three-quarters helmet. I think most people prefer full faces. I, I get it. Uh, so whatever people are comfortable with, full face, quarter face, half face, beanie, you're a freaking American, enjoy it. Unfortunately, we do have helmet laws here in California, which is where a bait, you know, stemmed from. I think it was 92, a bait really got going in the state. And a bait is sanctioned by state. Wherever you are, whatever state you're in, you will have a local state abate. And they're happy to assist you in an education course. Uh, a lot of states, it's referred to as the abate education course where you learn to ride motorcycles. And you start that out with a handbook. So I'm really excited to let you all know whether you're a new rider or an advanced rider, you're about to get the lowdown on the California handbook. These particular handbooks are put out every handful of years. This one that I got in front of me is a 2016 with supplement and we are going to go through it together everybody excited i am dying to read this well you're going to get an education again whether you're a new rider or an advanced rider this is just good medicine now uh, you know what i will be interrupting you sometimes Please. I'll, I'll try to do it at the period of the sentence and not like nice. just go. <laughs> you know i'm not going to try to like wait stop you what's in the up what the f fuck is that thing nice, you know? nice. no I'll, I'll try to wait but i'm i'm asking <laughs> i am asking on behalf of the listeners i am the Amen, dumb person brother. who knows nothing about this going okay explain we'll have a lot of fun we're gonna start on page one not to be confused with any of the previous pages <laughs> introduction this handbook supplements the california driver's handbook concerning traffic laws safe driving rules and driver licenses Study the California Driver's Handbook as well as this handbook. This handbook provides information for both beginner and experienced riders on two-wheel vehicles. Portions of this handbook dealing with safe driving practices rather than traffic laws were developed initially by the National Public Services Research Institution in cooperation with Motorcycle Safety Foundation, MSF. The MSF, California Highway Patrol, California Motorcycle Safety Program, CMSP, various motorcycle enthusiast groups, like a bait, I added that just so you know, <laughs> uh, 
and the Department of Motor Vehicles, DMV, agree that combined and quality motorcycle riding education and increasing public awareness has the potential to reduce the number and severity of motorcycle collisions. When using this handbook, remember it is only a summary of laws and regulations. DMV, law enforcement, and courts follow the full and exact language of the law containing in the California Vehicle Code, CVC. Two-Wheeled Vehicle Operation The basic rules of the road contained in the California Vehicle Code apply to all two-wheeled vehicles including, but not limited to, motorcycles, motor-driven cycles, mopeds, or motorized bicycles, mini bikes, tote goats, trail bikes, and similar vehicles may fall within the definition of motorcycle, motor-driven cycle, or motorized bicycle. What is a tote goat? I have no freaking clue. Oh, boy, man. That We're going to have to come back to that. We're going to have to. Quick, somebody Google. <laughs> somebody <laughs> Google. All right. Oh, my gosh. That's just, that I could. That I, yeah, I'm let's laughing. look up a tote goat. <laughs> If any of these vehicles are operated on a highway, they must meet applicable equipment, registration, financial responsibility, licensing, and operational requirements if appropriate. It is illegal to ride a motor-driven cycle, moped, motorized bicycle, or electric bicycle on a freeway or expressway if signs are posted to prohibit operation. Additionally, it is illegal to ride a moped, motorized bicycle or a class 3 electric bicycle on a bicycle path or trail equestrian horse trail hiking trail or recreation trail unless the path or trail is on or next to a road or permission to use the trail or roadway is granted by local law motorcycles a motorcycle is a motor vehicle with a seat or saddle for the rider designated to travel on not more than three wheels Motor-driven cycles. A motor-driven cycle is a motorized cycle with less than 150cc motor size. Note, you may not operate a motor-driven cycle on a freeway or expressway if signs are posted to prohibit motor-driven cycle operation. I found a picture of a tote goat. Let's see it. Okay. Because, you know, on podcasts, we can see things. I think it's basically what, uh, what Miss... Bowman has. Oh, right. They're saying mini bike. Okay. Right. Or pocket bike. That's hilarious. It's, you know, it's um, overhead valve, um, five horsepower, usually lawnmower engine bike. Yeah. <laughs> mini bike. Weed whacker with two wheels. That's great. Eh, wow. Tote goat. Never heard of that. Yeah. Me neither. We just, yeah. Call them rat bikes. Hey, so bikes. email us your tote goat stories, That's folks, right. at AmericanRoadRunnerThePodcast.com. <laughs> Motorized bicycles or mopeds. A motorized bicycle or moped is a two or three wheeled device capable of no more than 30 miles per hour MPH on level ground and equipment with fully operated pedals for human propulsion, a motor producing less than four gross brake horsepower and an automatic transmission, no pedals if powered solely by electric energy, California Vehicle Code 406A. Motorized bicycles may ride in a bicycle lane if authorized by local authority and ordinance. Electric bicycles. An electric bicycle is a bicycle equipped with a fully operatable pedals and an electric motor of less than 750 watts. 
Three classes of electric bicycles have been established. Wow, I had no idea electrical bicycles were this complicated. Class 1, a low-speed, pedal-assisted electric bicycle equipped with a motor which provides assistance only when the rider is pedaling and ceases to provide assistance when a speed of 20 miles per hour is reached. Class 2, a low-speed throttle-assisted electric bicycle equipped with a motor used exclusively to propel the bicycle and not capable of providing assistance when a speed of 20 miles per hour is reached. Class 3, a low-speed pedal-assisted electric bicycle equipped with a speedometer and a motor which provides assistance only when the rider is pedaling and ceases to provide assistance when a speed of 28 miles per hour is reached. The operation of a class 3 electric bicycle. The operator of a class 3 electric bicycle must be 16 years or older, must wear a bicycle safety helmet, must not transport passengers, may ride an electric bicycle in a bicycle lane if authorized by local authority or ordinance. All electric bicycle classes are exempt from the Motor Vehicle Financial Responsibility, DL, and license plate requirements. California Vehicle Code 24016. Now, I'm glad you read that because here in Riverside, at least, they are starting to have more and more motorized bicycles. Oh, we got them everywhere. Heck, my neighbor has one. He goes hauling up down the street on it all the time. Well, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about the ones you can rent. Like downtown, there's a couple of spots where they have like, you know, you can rent one. There's like 10 lined up and you just, you know, pull out your phone do the app, and, the app. Out, and it looks kind of like a regular motorcycle but then you realize it's got like this little unit yeah by where the uh whatever by where the pedals you. are and you know it's a motorized uh bicycle so we're starting yeah. to see more and more of those along with the lime scooters and the bird scooters yeah and that's all the motorized uh, excuse me the electric bicycles were part of a grant put down by the city and i was in on that transportation committee meeting locally but Regardless, our city dollars are hard at work trying to get more people to use electric bicycles, electrically assisted bicycles. We're really. just not using their car, period. Well, that'd be preferred. And downtown Riverside, hashtag DTR, <laughs> is uh, working hard to get hip like that. And, I, you know, you see them all over the major cities. So I don't know mm-hmm. if there's money in it or not, but good for people for getting out and going for a ride i just think if you really needed to do that you just kind of own a bicycle but really it's for people who commute mm-hmm. uh, if you needed to get the mile from the Metrolink over to downtown riverside for work right obviously the electric bike would make a ton of sense and it's right there mm-hmm. although if you're really doing that on a commuting level i suspect you just have a bicycle downtown and you know you'd keep it stored there all the time but Again, you know, whatever encouraged people to get riding instead of driving, I'm in. Uh, You know, the answer to all of it is, is people could just ride motorcycles and solve all the problems. But (laughs) what do I know? Yeah. What do I know? (laughs) It's a gateway. It's a gateway. (laughs) Bicycles are Electric bicycles and those funny little bird lime things are, they're all gateway drugs to motorcycles. Yep. Pretty soon you'll be driving your own rebel. That would be sweet. Moving on, motorized scooters. I love all these definitions of all these cool things. A motorized scooter is defined as any two-wheel device with a motor, handlebars, and a floorboard or standing on when riding and the options of having 
a driver's seat, which cannot interfere with the operator's ability to stand and ride, the ability to be powered by human propulsion. Note, a motorized scooter may be driven with any class DL, driver's license DL. A motorized scooter may not be used to take a skills test. Well, that stinks. A motorized scooter exhaust system must not be modified or altered. Yeah, so you can't have this thing that buzzes like a tin can down the street. Now, what about the floorboard? No comment. I, I, uh, I couldn't help but notice it says a motor handlebars and a floorboard for standing on when riding. Uh, yeah, like a step through, really. A yeah. Step through scooter. So, do all motorcycles have a floorboard, or is it just? No, no. They've got yeah. They've got pe- this is motorized scooter. Okay. So it's yeah. so it's it's just scooters out of that. Yeah, okay. it's a step through. That's I wasn't what sure if I was missing scooter. something. I was like, I've never seen the floorboard of a motorcycle. On no, it. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't have you know pedal boards yeah. on a motorcycle. Some of my motorcycles have them. Your whole foot fits on them versus just a peg. You okay. Know. I get it. Okay. And actually, so now we get to the exciting part. This is license requirements. Just in case you're ever interested what it takes to get an actual motorcycle license you need to legally operate a motorcycle. Danger, Dan. (laughs) License requirements. California issues the following DL classes for two-wheeled vehicle operations. Class M1. You may operate any two-wheel motorcycle, motor-driven cycle, or motorized scooter and all vehicles listed under Class M2. Note, the permit and DL, driver's license, requirement in this handbook pertain to two-wheeled vehicles and are referred to in California Vehicle Code 12804.9. Class M2. You may operate any motorized bicycle, moped, or motorized scooter. Note, Class C licensees may operate a motorcycle with sidecar attached, three-wheeled motorcycle, or motorized scooter. All right. So that's basically saying you can have a car driver's license if it's a uh, if it's got a sidecar. Or those handy new little one. spider things. The big, yep. the big tricycle. Yep. <laughs> you can do that with a motorized car license. So it's kind of cheating. You don't have to take the motorcycle test. You can just buy a three-wheeled. That's thing. correct. But on Can-Am's defense, who makes the Spider, they came out with a big uh, push several years ago on this is a Can-Am Spider. You don't have to have your motorcycle license to own it and operate it, but we recommend it. So, so props so what, for Can-Am. So what's the difference? Okay, so the Spider, is that the one uh, with the yeah, two wheels in the back wheel, or the one wheel in the front? No, thing? two wheels in front, one wheel in back. Okay. And then I, I've seen the tricycles, which are one wheel in front. Tracks, yeah. Okay. And tracks can either be like old Volkswagens with a motorcycle frame put on the front or an actual motorcycle with uh, a rear end belt on mm. it. Yeah, they're quite large and awesome. I'd love to talk to somebody about that, you know, riding a, a three-wheeled, you know, machine, the differences between what you're talking about, the spider and the tricycle. Like oh, yeah. Handle differently, speeds. You know. Well, they, they do handle quite a bit differently um, from what I've heard and seen. I've never operated one. I have operated a motorcycle with a sidecar, which is really different. It takes a while to get used to. And some people, it's medical. I know um, my pops was ready to get a sidecar right before he passed because he just had so much neuropathy and he couldn't feel his feet and he'd always... It wasn't uncommon for him to fall over on his motorcycle at a lot, and usually he fell onto me, you know, or the car next to us. So that was, I give him props for keeping it going. So 
I'd rather see someone out rocking with a sidecar than not rocking a scoot at all or a track or whatever they got to do, you know? You know what? We got to relabel it. If it's going to be cool, we can't call it a motorized tricycle. We have to call it a uh, outrigger motorized. That's hilarious. Motorized (laughs) outrigger something, you know. Uh, Join the revolution. (laughs) Outrigger on wheels. Yeah. No, I reckon there's going to be spiders and there's going to be tracks and there's going to be Volkswagen tracks and there's going to be sidecars and... And outriggers. I'm going to copyright that this so I can great. make an outrigger. This is great. Yeah. I love it. Screw this podcast. I'm going to make me some money. So how to learn. How, <laughs> uh, how, uh, how to earn. Earning your license. Earning your license. Safe riding requires knowledge and skill. Testing two-wheel vehicle operators is the best measurement of the skills necessary to operate safely in traffic because people often overestimate their own abilities. DMV's licensing tests are designed to be scored objectively. You may apply for a Class M1 or M2 driver's license at any DMV field office which provides driver license services. To obtain your driver's license, refer to the requirements for a motorcycle M1 or M2 license section, see page 5. You will be required to pass a driver's knowledge test. Motorcycle knowledge test, knowledge tests, or any other license classes requested and pass a motorcycle skills test or obtain a certificate of completion of motorcycle training, the DL-389, as defined in the California Motorcycling Safety Program Training Course section, see page 6, which basically means if you take a safety class, they can and will pass you on your skills test, the DL-389. So when you show up to the DMV, you do not have to take a skills test uh, via operation of the motorcycle, you can simply just walk in, take the written test, and then they hand you your one, which is what I did. I took the course that uh, the Honda Riding Center right over here in Colton offers, which was a wonderful experience because I was able to take it with my pops. Unfortunately, my pops was, you know, I, was, <laughs> I think I told the story, but they'd give you 20 minutes to do a section in the book, and he'd have it done in two or three because he was a speed reader. <laughs> kind of pissed everybody off, but regardless it was something my dad and i did gosh 15 years ago and he just kind of did it because he had let his motorcycle license lapse back in the 80s or something anyways um it was great we just spent two days half of the first day was all classwork and then the other half of the day we were out on these little rebels just killing it in circles and starting at the beginning and going from there so I'm, i'm a huge fan and then the second day was all out doing skills so i'm a huge fan of of that i think it was like 200 dollars for the whole weekend so when you want to ride take a class it's a lot of fun heck i've seen like even like bachelorette parties out there taking motorcycle classes <laughs> i'm just saying 200 dollars for a weekend of entertainment that's pretty good stuff enjoy mm-hmm. knowledge test questions are based on information in this handbook and the california driver's handbook The motorcycle skills test is conducted in either an actual traffic environment or a controlled off-street area. And then they have these great charts just so you can lay it all out. But at the bottom of the charts, the answer is the tests include at least the driver's knowledge, motorcycle knowledge, and motorcycle skills. An observation road test is required for applicants who have never been licensed for any class of motor vehicle and apply for a motorcycle-only license. I'm not going to lie. I've met a few people who do not have California driver's licenses, 
but they do have motorcycle licenses. Hmm. It literally just says M1 on their license because naturally I did not believe them. And they're like, nope, Z, M1 only. Class hmm. equals M1. It's awesome. Good for them. <laughs> Note one, minors 15 and a half years old or older, but under 17 and a half years old, must submit a driver's license 389 form, bring proof of completion of both driver's education and driver's training or having a class C driver's license and pass both the driver's knowledge and the motorcycle driver knowledge test. Boy, they're pretty hardcore about that. Note two, applicants 18 years old or older but under 21 years must submit a DL389 and pass both the driver's knowledge and the motorcycle driver knowledge test. Note three, while not a requirement, motorcycle license applicants 21 years old or older are encouraged to enroll in a California Motorcycle Safety Program, CMSP, training course. Not required, but rec- I recommend it and encourage it. Note four, the Class M1, M2 instruction permits includes the following restrictions. No carrying passengers, no freeway driving, no nighttime driving. And by driving, they mean riding. But the answer is, while you're under permit, you cannot carry passengers, you cannot haul ass on the freeway, and you can't cruise around at night. So you can have a motorcycle permit just like a driving permit. Yeah. Before you, yeah, so when you're like a teenager, you're like 15 years old, you can get the permit. 15 and a half. If you've got, as, as it just said, if you have your regular license permit. Yeah, okay. I didn't know that. It all falls under the DL-389. Note, the DL-389 is valid for 12 months from the issue date. To locate a DMV field office that offers a motorcycle skills test and or blah, 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 schedule an appointment, visit www.dmv.ca.gov or call 1-800-777-0133. So next time, we're going to be starting with the California Motorcyclist Safety Program Training Course. Please join us. I got to tell you, this is a lot of fun. I'm really excited to hand this information out again. Whether you've been through it 20 years ago, 10 years ago, two years ago, two months ago, (laughs) enjoy the reading of it. Now, just a little advisory. This is the California Motorcycle. Correct. um, You know, safety handbook so laws are different from state to state i mean give or take there's a few different ones but for the most part 99 percent of this handbook will apply to the other 50 states like the most visible ones i think are like helmet laws and uh yeah and uh, lane lane sharing yeah lane lane sharing lane lane sharing okay Yeah, those are those are the main ones, I guess, to know from state to state. But it's good to know whatever state you live in, what the laws are, so you don't get pulled over for going. Hey, I listen to this this podcast. Nice. This is how they do it in California. American so Roadrunner podcast taught me. Well, and that's a wonderful thing about being a member of a bait. I've got full lists on. You know, believe it or not, like in Arizona, it is illegal to ride a motorcycle without some type of safety eyewear on, and that makes total sense. I mean, after twenty miles an hour. If something hits your eye, it's going to end up in the back of your brain. So there's just no reason to ride without safety eyewear on. However, in California, it's not written as a law. And again, I know this because I'm a member of a bait. And this is a benefit of being a member of a bait. And if you all are out there listening, feel free to join your local bait and support. Yeah. Well, you know, people in Arizona can tell you the critters out there are 
fucking huge. So one of those things. They're huge everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but their their grasshoppers are the size of of uh, crows out here in California. So well, we got those, a lot of bees. Yeah, bees. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of bugs. The front of my motorcycle, <laughs> my face will tell you. We got rocks. We got everything. You name it. <laughs> Put your darn safety eyewear on. You just hit a cloud of uh, bees and they just pelt you. Has that happened to you? Just hit a cloud of something? Yeah, I went right by a bee farm once uh, and the bees were active. (laughs) And I felt one or two go up one sleeve and then I felt three or four go up another. And by the time I stopped down the road, I realized I had been stung like seven times. And I thought, this could be really bad. So... I was at a gas station. I just, you know, uh, there's nothing. Obviously, I pulled all the stingers out. They all just got stuck up my jacket. And it was a hot day, so I wasn't wearing gauntlets on my gloves. So it all just went up my jacket. And just a reminder, it's okay to wear a glove with a bit of gauntlet on it for that reason. And uh, I just started pounding water to flush it out of my system. And I was okay. But I know a lot of people, they say once you get stung six times by bees that, you know, you're you kind of going to anaphylactic shock no matter what you're. But I, I got real lucky. I was sunk seven times without issue. Wow. But other than that, it might happen every now and then, you know, where they flap a pant leg. Um, well, I'm glad that you pulled over to take care of business. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you might have died. <laughs> you never know. I did feel a little weak, but yeah, that was right over in him and on the knees. <laughs> I got these. All you night, got the folks. jokes, bruh. Got him. I got him. That was pretty good. So, yes, next time we'll start up again with the safety program training course and all that's required from that. We're going to be having a good time. Feel free to follow along. Refresh yourself. Everyone be good to yourselves. Be yes. good humans. Yes. I'd like to tell you again, you can find the book American Roadrunner by Bob Marshall on Amazon in paperback. Ebook download. You can follow us on AmericanRoadrunnerTheBook.com. Find our podcast everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And check out our playlist on Spotify along with the podcast, the American Roadrunner Songs from the Road playlist. Amen. And above all, don't forget to share your stories and check out the website for other people who are sharing stories. I've gotten a few lately. They've been a lot of fun to edit and post. Feel free to catch up with that. And seriously, it's a great outlet for publishing your stories, making sure other people has the ability to share them. I know I've been real lucky to share my story with you in authoring my book and so i'm real excited to have you share your story with me feel free to uh, just simply email them it's all on the website but you can email them to americanroadrunnerthebook.com i'm happy to edit them make sure they're all good whether it's 200 words or 2000 we don't need anything too lengthy but if you want to get that lengthy let's talk about you know you authoring your own book and we'll get mm-hmm. that out yeah also just so you know we've been pretty fortunate lately our good friend renee walker has been real busy moving the book around town. So we got it at a few good places, including Made of Riverside. Now, Made is a pretty neat shop. They host a lot of neat stuff from local talent, craftsmen, all the good stuff. Uh, they're on the 6300 block of Magnolia, a few doors down from the Sire Bar and Grill, which is uh, real close to the lunch lot that we were just talking <laughs> about. But American Roadrunner Book is on display and for sale there, as well as Renaissance Books which is on Elizabeth Street, about a mile away from that, and also at Downtown Bookstore in Riverside, which is on Main Street. So if you happen to be in Riverside and interested in picking up the book, you can find it at those locations. Very nice to be a local author and have these places host the book for us. They're pretty excited to move them. 
Thanks again for joining us, folks. Tracy, Brian, you guys are awesome as always. I appreciate all your production, co-hosting, and editing skills. Oh, Lucky us. Well, thank you for having us. We appreciate you, and audience, we appreciate you as well. See you next time. You know, this podcast is just a good excuse for us to sit around, drink coffee, and tell bad jokes. So thanks all for joining us. Keep the rubber side down.